Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. You know, you think about in regards to being humbled or uh, something that has humbled you before. You know, have you ever been out at a restaurant and somebody has secretly paid for your meal? You go to the cashier and ready to pay your check, and all of a sudden they tell you, well, your check has already been paid for. Or maybe you've received an unexpected gift in the mail or an unexpected gift from somebody that you never thought would be giving you something. I don't know about you, but anytime I experience something like this, I usually hang my head in humility because I feel very undeserving of what someone has done for me. I feel very undeserving that, that someone would think of me or think of my family. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, as we hang our head in humility, now there's a sense of we feel very undeserving. I didn't do anything to deserve this. There's no reason for someone to do this. I don't deserve someone else being good to me. And then maybe as your emotions evolve and your emotions begin to to transpire, you all of a sudden, you go from this heart of humility to a heart of, of realizing that we're undeserving. Then all of a sudden, you're overwhelmed with thankfulness. You're overwhelmed with thankfulness of what someone has done for you. Well, today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take some time to remember what the Savior has done for us. We're going to take some time to to think of the fact that he gave of himself. He gave of himself, meaning that he gave all that he had. And he did it on behalf of a bunch of people who were undeserving of what he did. You realize that we don't deserve Jesus giving his life for us. We didn't work our way into this so that he would do this. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. We had not achieved some level of righteousness and then him die. He did it while we were undeserving. So he did this on behalf of those who, who don't deserve it. And that's me. And that's you. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. For Christ also died for the sins once and for all for the just, for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. You know, what I want us to do this morning is this has been my prayer all week. I was able to check out like many of you, me and my family were able to go spend some time at the camper. And I don't really know how relaxing it is when you put five kids um, inside a little tin can. Um, So, but what I've been praying this week is that this morning is not something that we do to check a box. 
Because what we're going to talk about in a moment is that's the very thing that the church at Corinth was doing when it would come to the Lord's Supper. Is they were checking a box. And if we're not careful, what we're going to do this morning, we can get caught up in checking a box and not actually realizing what we're here for or what we're doing or, or why we honor this. Because you see, at Chestnut Mountain Church, we, we honor two ordinances. One of which is, is baptism. And it was kind of odd this morning as we were going through our production meeting for us to say there's, there's no baptisms today. What? Well, today's not over, but then somebody told me the pool's not set up. So we maybe spray somebody with a water hose, really, a bunch. But we honor this, this baptism by submersion, and this is not our salvation, but this, this is our announcement. This is our proclamation of, of who our Savior is, and it, and it is symbolic to the fact that we are buried with Christ, and yet because we are buried with Christ, we too can be risen with Christ. And it is an example of our sins being washed away. There's nothing magical about the water, but it is our announcement that we are now placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So that is one of the ordinances. The other one is what we're gonna do today, and that's honoring the Lord's Supper. And so what we're gonna do before we really jump into it is, is again, I don't want us to get caught up in checking the boxes. I want us to understand the weight of what we're gonna do today. Because if we're not careful, we can, we can stick some wafer in our mouth that gets stuck in your teeth and you're all awkwardly going, how do I get this out? And we all do it. Everybody in here does it because you're sitting there trying to look super spiritual. And then we'll take that cup and we'll drink it and all of a sudden we leave and we think, okay, we did that because it's Easter. We did that because it's the time that we really think about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But my heart's prayer has been this week that that's not what today is about. That today is much bigger than that. So what I want us to do is we're gonna very quickly look back into the Old Testament as to where the Passover came from. And I want you to understand the weight of what we're doing and, and why this is taking so seriously. Because if you know, if you've followed in the Old Testament, if you've seen the deliverance of the children of Israel out of the bondage of Pharaoh and out of Egypt, you know that God continued to petition through Moses to release the children of Israel out of the bondage. And we all know that Pharaoh would get right to the edge and say, okay, I'm gonna let him go. And then his heart would be hardened. And we know how the story goes and he would pull them back into captivity. But now it's finally come to the point that it's time for the 10th and the final plague. God would send these plagues to get the attention of Pharaoh. And so finally it comes to the 10th plague as to where he's ready to get the attention of Pharaoh so that the children of Israel can be set free. So in Exodus chapter 11 and 12 is where we see all of this transpire, where all of this part of the story takes place. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 11. And we're just gonna read as, as Moses talks about this 10th and final plague. But in chapter 11, verses four through six, the Bible says that Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight, I'm going out in the midst of Egypt and all of the firstborns in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, 
all the firstborn of the cattle as well. And then in verse six, moreover, there shall be a cry in all of the land of Egypt, such as there has never been before and such as there will never be again. You see, evil had to be punished. Evil had to be taken care of. Disobedience had to be taken care of because we serve a just God. And so what we read here is that we know that the death angel is gonna sweep through Egypt and he's gonna take all of the firstborn, but because of God's grace and because of God's mercy, God's gonna do what God does and he's going to provide a way for salvation. He's going to provide hope. And as many of you may or may not know, the, the way that that was the way that that was seen about is he would give a plan. He would give the, the, the plan that the children of Israel were supposed to follow in order to be saved, in order to be rescued, in order to be set free. And that plan, he laid it all out. And that plan sounded something very similar. We're gonna go very quick, but the, the children of Israel, their family was to take a, an unblemished lamb, a lamb that was with, without spot, without blemish, and they were to slaughter that lamb. And what they would do is they would take the blood when this lamb was sacrificed and they would place it on the top of the door frame and they would pay, place it on the, the side of the door post. And so then when the death angel would sweep through Egypt at midnight, if he saw that the blood was applied to the door, there was security in that and the death angel passed over that home. And so the beautiful part of this, and this is where you'll see all the foreshadowing of the coming of what Jesus is gonna do. But what I love is that they were told, once the blood was applied, do not leave your home. Once the blood is applied, you are secure. Don't try to get out, don't try to do anything, but you trust in the blood being applied. And so for that in Christ Jesus, there's hope that we are secured by the blood of the lamb. This is our hope. Not in anything that we've done, but that we are secure in Christ because the blood has been applied. And then as the lamb was sacrificed, they were to take the lamb and they were to roast the meat and to provide and prepare the unleavened bread. And many of you know that the unleavened bread was without yeast. And we know that this was symbolic to the fact that it was to represent a body without sin. But also if all you cooks in here know that yeast is the rising element of the bread. It's what makes the bread rise. And what a lot of scholars believe that we're gonna read about in just a moment is at midnight when all of the death angels came through and they realized that the, that the firstborn of all were dead, and we're gonna read about it in just a moment, that they were immediately ordered to get out of Egypt, talking about the children of Israel. Get out, we're tired of this, get out. And so a lot of scholars believe that what the message was here was, don't wait on the bread to rise. You get out, get out. Don't waste time. Don't wait on the bread to rise. But when you are ordered to get out, you get out. You are now set free. And so we see that this is, this is the Passover meal that we're gonna be looking at today. But God gave these specific instructions and to all of those who submitted to his instructions, who submitted to this plan, they were saved. Their homes were passed over. And then we see the, the prophetic word come to reality in chapter 12 of that same book in Exodus. I want you to flip to Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. 
It says, now it came about at midnight. The Lord struck all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captives, who was in the dungeon. And all of the firstborn of cattle. Verse 30. Pharaoh arose that night. He and all of his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt. And there was no home where there was not someone dead. Verse 31. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel and go worship the Lord as you have said. This is the part where we're talking about. He tells them, you get out. Don't wait on the bread to rise. You get out because you have been ordered now to, to be set free. You've been released from the bondage. And so we see that if you look back in verse 24 of that same chapter, as a result of this great event, as a, as a result of this great moment for the children of Israel, they were then commanded, you and your family will observe this night forever. You will always remember this night. This is something that you don't ever need to forget. And so in order to do that, we see that for many, many years, that the Jews would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover feast. And so as they would travel from, from everywhere, everybody bringing the unblemished lamb to, to offer up on behalf of their family, these families would come with this, this spotless lamb and they would offer it to the priest. And what the priest would do is they would take this lamb and they would they would press down on this lamb. They would, they would put their hands on this lamb and press as hard as they could on this lamb as a symbolism of, of the transfer of the sin from their family to this spotless, innocent lamb. And it was almost as if the harder they pressed, the heavier the weight of the sin was being pressed on this lamb. And as they pressed against this lamb, then the priest would then slit the throat of the lamb to offer it as a sacrifice. And then the blood would be spilled out on the altar as a representation for the exchange of the sins of the people. And then what the families would do is they would offer up a portion of the, of the meat for the priest and then they would take the rest and they would prepare it for themselves along with the unleavened bread. And then they were to participate in this meal in remembrance of the passing over remembering that they had been saved by grace through faith. They had followed the instructions of the heavenly father. And as a result of that obedience, they were saved. Now I want you to fast forward to the New Testament. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And I want to simply just read verses 14 through 16. You know, the hardest part, if you ask any pastor, if you ask any preacher, so to speak, the hardest two weeks to prepare for from a pulpit are Easter and Christmas. Do you know why? Because we think as humans that we have to somehow make this moment greater. 
that we have to somehow make this moment seem bigger. What God has settled in my heart is like, it can't get any bigger. It can't get any bigger. And Brian, you don't have the power to make my life, my offering and my resurrection any bigger than it is. So you just teach the word. You just let my word do what my word does. You don't have the power to do it. And so that's all we're gonna do. I want you to look in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 16. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And in short, in this context, what Jesus is talking about is he's saying, I'm coming to fulfill what I've been talking about all along. I'm coming to fulfill what I've promised you. And from this day forward, this Passover meal, this Lord's Supper, if you would, it is taking on an entirely new meaning. And from this day forward, you're gonna take time to remember not what has happened to a lamb, not what has happened in the night of Egypt, but what you're gonna remember is that I'm gonna offer myself once and for all. For all of mankind, I am laying my life down. And from this day forward, when you eat of the, when you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you're gonna remember me. You're gonna remember what I've done for you. And I'm offering myself to pay the penalty of your sin once and for all. And so from now on, when you take of the bread, you're not gonna remember how quickly you left Egypt. What you're gonna remember is that my body was broken on your behalf. That my body has been broken for you. And then when you take of the cup, It's no longer about animal's blood, but it's about my blood being poured out for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. But as I've been reading this, this statement that's just jumped off the page to me over and over and over again is what Jesus says to them in verse 15. He says, I have earnestly desired I've earnestly desired to eat this meal with you. I've earnestly desired to do this before I suffer. When you look at that phrase, earnestly desired, it translates this, to to earnestly desire. Listen, this is very simple. It means to, with desire, I have desired. That's how much Jesus wanted to do this. He earnestly desired. He had desire to desire. And do you understand what he's saying? He's not saying I'm desiring to desire to go on vacation. 
I'm not desiring that I desire to go have fun, but what I'm desiring to desire is that I'm about to lay my life down and suffer on your behalf and you've done nothing to deserve it. To our fleshly minds, that makes no sense. It's hard to comprehend the fact that he would love us so much that he would desire to die. You know, we read about on the news all the time, these heroes that, that lay their life on the line. And maybe their life ends up being taken because they're trying to save someone else's life. But they didn't wake up that morning desiring to desire to die for someone else. But that's the heart of our savior is that he desired to desire. That was his purpose. That's what he was sent to do. And because of his obedience to his father and his love for us, he desired to lay his life down. And here he's telling the disciples, after today, when you drink of the cup and eat of the bread, I want you to remember all that. I want you to remember what I've done for you. So now when we think back on what we open with, when you think about someone paying for your meal, you're humbled, you feel undeserving, you're overwhelmed with thankfulness. Maybe you think back on someone giving you a gift that you didn't deserve or weren't expecting. You're overwhelmed with, with humility. You feel the emotion of you don't deserve it. And then you're overwhelmed with thankfulness. None of that pales in comparison to the Son of God giving his life for you. giving his life for me. And so for the believer in the room today, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've placed your faith in the finished work of the cross, what we're gonna participate in in just a moment should be the most humbling thing that we participate in as a follower of Christ. That we're remembering what he did. This is so much bigger than us checking a box. And as a follower of Christ, if you leave here today not affected by what we're gonna do, shame on us. And this is the very reason we take of the Lord's Supper today. It's to remember what he's done and the fact that we've placed our faith in what he's done. All the while, we've done nothing to deserve it. And now if you're here today and and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The Lord's Supper 
is not for you today. And I, and I don't mean that in an offensive way, but I mean that in an obedient way, that this is only for the family of God. But here's the good news. His body was broken and his blood was shed for you too. His body was broken and his blood was shed for you too. And if you haven't placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus, what a better way to start the week of Easter than that being a moment of surrender today and you placing your faith and your trust in that. You say, well, Brian, I haven't done anything to deserve it. My life's a mess. I'm living in sin. I've got to clean this up. I've got to clean that up. No, you don't. You place your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the Savior will take care of the rest. That's the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that we often talk about. And so today, if you're not a believer and the Holy Spirit is drawing you we just simply wanna invite you to repent and believe in the Son of God and believe that the death on the cross was for you too. You know, this past week, as I shared, we were, we were camping and, and my daughter, my oldest daughter, said something that pretty much sums this whole message up today. Somehow we go to Walmart and we were checking out and it just so happened that right beside the, the checkout was, was movies that were for sale and The Passion of the Christ was sitting on the front. And I don't know if, if you've seen that. Most of us probably have. But all three of my oldest kids said, can we get this movie? I thought, oh, sure. So we go to the back to the camper that night and we, we begin to watch The Passion of the Christ. And I don't know that I've ever seen three children just drawn to a movie. Look, my kids don't shut up. But they were in awe as they watched this movie. Now, I'm not saying the movie is the gospel. I'm not saying that at all, but I believe it gives us a glimpse of the reality. In the scene right after Jesus was scourged and they had his place, hands placed on the podium and they, they whipped him across the back and then they brought out the cat of nine tails because if you remember in that part of the movie, Jesus had fell to his knees and they thought it's over. But in order to fulfill the prophecy, our Savior stood up and said, we're not done. And as the soldiers basically ripped the flesh off the Savior's back, They drug him through the courtyard and stuck him in this room where they pulled out this crown of thorns and began to mock him. And they pressed it into his skull. 
And he watched the soldiers just walk by and slap the precious son of God across the face. And then one knelt down in his face and just spit right, right in his face. And my daughter finally broke the silence. And Andy, she said, Daddy, Jesus died for them too. I said, yeah, baby, he did. So if you're here today and you feel unworthy for the grace of God, you've never physically slapped him. You've never physically spit in his face. You've never put the crown of thorns on his head. So if Jesus died for them, I wanna encourage you today that Jesus died for you too. Jesus died for you too. So today, if you've never placed your faith in what he's done, I pray today is the day. And now for the church, now for the believers, this is something we need to take very, very serious. Because you see at the church at Corinth, they had begun to check the box. They had begun just to jump through the religiosity of this, this Lord's Supper. And so Paul being Paul, he addresses the issue. And so before we as a church family take of this meal together, we're gonna do what Paul commands us to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, Paul addresses these issues and he says here, therefore, whoever eats of this bread and drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. There's two issues that Paul addresses here. There's two warnings that he extends to the church. And he says, don't do this unless you have this right. In the first one, he says, do not take of this supper or this meal in an unworthy manner. And what he's meaning in an unworthy manner is that if you as a believer are holding unforgiveness in your heart towards another brother or sister, then we're commanded to make it right. We're commanded to make it right. And so if some of you in this room, you all of a sudden, you, right now you're remembering an argument or you're remembering some family members or you're remembering some friends that are in this room that maybe you've got some issues with that are unresolved. According to the scripture, make it right before you take of it. You say, well, Brian, they're not in the room. 
They're not here, so I don't have to. You got a cell phone in your hand. You can send a text message. You can step out in the hallway and make a phone call. So don't take it in an unworthy manner, but then he also commands us to examine ourselves. And what he means by that is if there's any unconfessed sin in our life, if there's any sin that we've not yet repented of, that we've not yet asked for God's forgiveness, then ask the Lord to forgive you. If you need to pray and say, God, reveal any unconfessed sin to me so I can ask that your blood be applied. And so that's exactly how we're gonna respond today. It's probably gonna be chaotic. You may have never participated in the Lord's Supper this way. And so what we're gonna do is Brandon begins to play and sing. We're gonna encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit move in your heart and your life right now. Don't take of an unworthy manner and ask the Holy Spirit to examine. We're gonna open this altar. You can have a conversation with the Lord right where you're at. But once you've spent time with him and you've done just as Paul has commanded, then we're gonna ask you to move and to go ahead and take your cup and to take your bread. There's many places around the room where these are at. There's baskets here in the altar. There's baskets in front of the camera. There's, there's baskets on the wall over here. So once you've been obedient, once you've done as Paul has commanded, then I would ask that you make a move and then just take the elements and go back to your seat. And you can continue in worship or you can have a seat and then I'll get back up and we'll direct as we take of the Lord's Supper together. But right now in this moment, I want us to all be obedient. And I want us to spend some time with the Son of God. Don't check a box today, church. God, we thank you that your spirit is here today. We thank you for the weight of this moment because God, this is heavy. And God, I pray that as your children today, that we would take this moment seriously. God, that we would not take of this meal in an unworthy manner. And God, that we would take some time to ask you to examine our hearts. And God, once you do that, I pray that we would move. And God, we thank you that you're active and you're moving today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. 
If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time.